who does miracles. And he is continuing to work miracles in our life. And that's what we're here today to talk about, is the, uh, the miracle of the resurrected life that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want to just say this. When Jesus died and rose again on that first Easter Sunday morning, it changed everything. It changed absolutely everything. And, and if, if, we, if we can begin to see the beauty of what was brought about through his resurrection, it'll change the way that we see everything. It'll change the way we see God. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see other people. It changes the way we see the world around us. We begin to see life differently. We see with eyes of faith, and that perspective will change our hearts, and we begin to uh, have motivation. It puts motivation in our hearts, and it fuels us to live a radically different life than we've lived before. And we, we've seen and heard testimony of that this morning. So I'm going to take a few minutes this morning and share with you about uh, what I call crazy beautiful love. And the love of Jesus is beautiful, but it's also a little bit crazy. Uh, and I want to read from not a very typical Easter morning passage, but I want to look at 2 Corinthians. I, I believe it's a reflection of an Easter passage this morning. So first in verse 7 and then in verses 13 through 19. Verse 7, Paul says, we live by faith, not by sight. And then he says a few verses later, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. People thought Paul was crazy. And uh, if you know the history uh, of the New Testament, you can understand why a little bit. Paul was a very prominent person. Uh, in the Jewish community. He, he was a leader of the religious community of the day. He was very well respected. He was very well, uh, uh, he, he was prosperous and a very prominent person. And he gave all of that up to follow Jesus. And so his life went from being sort of a well-respected, prominent person to a guy who spends most of his time getting beat up and thrown in jail. And you have to ask yourself, why would a guy do that? And he answers the question for us. He says, Christ's love compels us. The, uh, the word compels is an interesting word. Uh, it, it, it literally, if you look it up in, in the dictionary, it says it's, it's a forced. It's a forced, but it's not really forced. No one forces us to do something, but the force of that thing is so powerful and so strong, we can't not do it. Anybody ever felt that way? There's just something that you have to do. That's what it means to be compelled uh, it really means to hold fast. Uh, it, it's, it's a control. 
uh, that's so powerful, so strong, we can't resist it. And Paul says, that's what compels me. The love of Jesus is that force that's so powerful, so strong, so beautiful that I can't not do what I'm doing because of the love of Jesus in my life. He says, it's worth anything I've given up for that. I would gladly trade everything I've had for this life that I now live for that. There's nothing in this world that I wouldn't give up to know and follow and live and walk in that crazy, beautiful love of Jesus. And here's the thing. It really does sound too good to be true. And, and, and that, I think, is sometimes the rub for people. I, I've talked to people, I don't know how many times, who've told me, I, I understand, I read the Bible, I hear about God's love, but I just can't get a hold of it in my own life. I don't, I don't feel that in my life. I don't think, I don't know how God could love me that way, and it really does seem too good to be true, and we don't accept it, and we don't receive it in our own hearts for that reason. I want to say this to you this morning. The quality of life you live depends on the quality of what you see. If you see God as being distant and far off, your life will be distant and far off. If you see God as being angry, and, and, and here's I've known some people who, who serve and follow an angry God. And you know what kind of people they are? They're angry people. If you see God as a God who is just a God of rules and who's always watching to keep you in line to make sure you follow the rules, you know what kind of person you're going to be? The kind of person who's always trying to break the rules. Because you'll never be able to keep up with them. But if you see a God who is so full of love that he would sacrifice his life on your behalf, it'll compel you to want to live in that love. And that's what Paul saw. Here's the thing. And this is the rule of thumb. And this is what I would tell anybody. If something looks too good to be true, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? We know that. When you get those phone calls that say, hey, uh, you know, you've just won a million dollars. You know what? It's not true. When you get that email that says, hey, just send me $500 and I'll send you a million dollars. You know what? That's not true. When you get the guy that says, hey, I've got some great oceanfront property, beachfront property in Arizona I want to sell you. You know what? It's too good to be true. Don't buy any of that. There's only one exception. There's one exception to that rule, and this is it. And I want to say this. However good it sounds, how, however good the life of Jesus sounds, it's better than that. It's infinitely better than that. And you might say, I, that, doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. How could that be? Je- Jesus, Jesus stood in place of Wait for it. (laughs) Everyone. He stood in place of everyone. He died for everyone. Not for some people. Not for the nice people. Not for the good people. Not for the pretty people or the skinny people. He died for all the people. Jesus died for everyone. 
Paul understands the difficulty of understanding that, and so he repeats it over and over and over again. All through the New Testament, we read it time and time again. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for who? All people. So all righteousness, righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. 1 Corinthians, for as in Adam we all die, so in Christ we will all be made alive. Everyone is included in this. Adam represents uh, humanity in a fallen state. It's humanity separate from God. Uh, And on Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross, he bore the sin of everyone. He took everyone's sin upon himself. He died for everyone so that everyone might live. And the old creation was put to death that day for everyone, and the new is brought into being, and life in Christ results in freedom and life for everyone. The new, the old, was man separated from God. The new is a reflection of everything that we have, the nature and character of God that's in us. Every sin of every person was put to death on the cross. All the anger, all the hatred, all the bitterness, all the unforgiveness, all the lying, all the addiction, all the perversion, all the pride, all the racism, all the sexism, all of it was put to death on the cross. And it sounds absolutely crazy to think about that, especially if uh, you live in the world we live in. You look around and you go, hey, it appears to me as though sin's doing pretty good. Um, But, but, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross on Good Friday was followed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Sunday morning. And, And that's where it really begins to get Uh, crazy beautiful because Christ rose from the dead and in rising from the dead he makes all things new. All things new. In rising from the dead he makes all things new. He conquered sin and death. He conquered the grave. He He conquered hell. He conquered the devil for all of us. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And for that reason, we no longer see, we no longer regard, from a worldly point of view, anyone. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do do so no longer. When I see you, I don't see you, I see Jesus in you. When I see you, I don't see you, I see Jesus in you. When I see you, I see a person alive in Christ and what he's done in you. The old is gone, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You know, it. Here, here's what we need to understand today. That's already been done. It's already been done. He did it 2,000 years ago. You know, it doesn't, Jesus didn't wait until we got our lives together. I, I, I have, I hear so many people say, you know, I'll, I, I can't come to church. I, I can't get connected to God because I got to get my life together first. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. 
It's probably not going to happen. Uh, Jesus didn't wait till we get our life together to die for us. He said, no, I'm going to do it on the front end. It's already done. Your life is already in me now. And so here's the thing. The new you is the true you. Who you are in him is who you really are. Whoever you think you are is, is really who you used to be. You have been reconciled to God. All we need to do today is to begin to walk in that reconciliation. Our lives and our hearts have been made right with him already. It's here. It's very real. It's true. It's in us now. So this morning as we, uh, as we get ready to close, we're going to just take a few minutes and, and pray. And, and I want to be able to pray for anyone who is in any way struggling with being able to grasp that life in Christ and that new you, and who still feels like it's the old me uh, that, that I'm living in, that I'm walking in. There's a shell of who I am. No, the new you is the true you. And we want to pray that that life in Christ becomes real in you this morning. So why don't you guys stand?